Hey, how's it going? Welcome to the James McDonald Podcast, where we say love to live to love. That's our focus, that's our passion, and we invite you to let God's Word have that impact in your life right now. Here's Pastor James. Have you ever said something to somebody that you really regretted afterwards? Have you ever heard yourself saying, man, I can't believe I said that. I don't know why I said that. I, I, I did. That wasn't in me, but that, there, there's where you're wrong because it couldn't have come out of you if it wasn't in you. In fact, the scripture says, um, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. So the mouth is only saying the things that the heart and mind have been dwelling upon. And so um, we were talking last time in this series, uh, Forever Free, we were talking about uh, forgiveness. And because I know that's such a complex subject, I wanted to come back to it this week. And I'm just going to call this uh, teaching the cost of unforgiveness. And I'll just tell you straight out, my goal in this teaching is to motivate you toward forgiveness. And because we're teaching here in a recovery context, and because we love so much uh, the men who are here uh, experiencing and seeking to experience true freedom uh, from addiction, uh, let me begin with this uh, thought. Um, a root of addiction is unresolved hurt. If I had have said to you, what is it that drives addiction? Think, think, too late. The answer should be very quickly, hurt, hurt, hurt. Something was done to me. Something was said to me. Something was withheld from me. Somebody injured me. Am I right? Am I wrong? And there's these hurts, and then there's the desire to use substance to cover the pain of the hurt that was caused. And how do we get free from those hurtful things? And of course, in the 12 steps, there's uh, numerous ways that uh, that subject comes up and is dealt with. But of course, I'm gonna share something with you from God's Word, and if you have a Bible, we have some over there that we could pass out if you don't have one, or I know a lot of people have one on their phone. Oh, Sharon has them. Hold up your hand if you want a Bible and you want to look along with what I'm saying. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 25, starts like this. Ephesians 4, 25. Therefore, having put away falsehood, let each one of you speak the truth with his neighbor. For we are members of one another. Be angry. This is interesting, the Bible says be angry. In other words, anger isn't a sin, but it can lead to sin. That's why it says, be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. So anger is supposed to appear for a while, get a problem solved, and go away. And anger can be a righteous thing if it's directed toward a problem and getting the problem solved. However, in our culture, you know, we're um, often uh, taught that any anger of any kind, any lack of, any showing of emotion, any outburst of passion, that it's all wrong, wrong, but that's actually wrong. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your anger. Give no opportunity to the devil. Let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth. Well, why would corrupting talk come out of my mouth? Because there's corrupting things in my heart. But only such as is good 
for building up as it fits the occasion that it may give grace to those who hear. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Now that's a lot of things to take care of. And so it's no surprise that the last two verses, Ephesians 4, 31 and 32, are the ones that I want to just do a bit of teaching on. Let me read them to you first. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you. Now, uh, the list there, when I say that um, at the root of addiction, you understand the analogy of a tree, right? So the tree, think of one of these big trees on this property here. You see all this, and why is that tree up there? Because down below, there's a root system that's feeding it. And do you know what feeds addiction? The root that feeds addiction is unresolved hurt and uh, unforgiveness. A little definition, unforgiveness is the refusal. We, we, <laughs> we said last week that forgiveness is the decision to release a person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. So what is unforgiveness? Unforgiveness is um, a refusal to set someone free from the obligation that resulted when they hurt you or injured you. You have to let them go. And uh, I met you last week, is it Chris? Yeah, Chris, and if I was just like, every time I see you, I was like that, just all the time. He's just like, that seems like a bit much, right? I don't think we're close enough for me to make that joke three times or four times. I mean, at some times, some, some point it's gonna become a problem, yes? No, come on, give me a hug. At some point it's gonna become a problem, right? And so the only way that could become a problem is if I say I was so wrong, please forgive me, or if I don't. And in either instance, your choice is the same. You have to forgive me whether I own it or whether I don't. Now, I don't think it's any big secret that, uh, I don't talk about this all the time, I don't think it's any big secret that I used to pastor a very large church for a long time. Some of you had a season of uh, exposure to that in your life. And as I've gotten counseling and really worked through some of my own issues, I can see looking back all the way to maybe 2012 when some people started attacking our church that I just had a massive buildup of unresolved hurt. It isn't that I don't know what forgiveness was. It, didn't, it isn't that I wasn't working on it. It's that the things they were doing to injure weren't stopping and the consequences of what they were doing was falling out everywhere around me and I was reeling under the weight of all of that to the place where I just wasn't even a healthy person. Like I was not, I can remember going into a lot of meetings with elders and leaders and things just saying, I'm, I'm not doing good at all. Like I'm not doing good at all. And those who know me know that in the fall of 2017, I took a whole month and went to a ministry recovery center uh, just for the purpose of trying to get healthy again. I should have probably stayed out for a year right then because they want you to come back and do the thing you do. And I just couldn't keep going. I just, I just couldn't keep going. And the accumulation of hurt and betrayal and heartache, and it isn't that I didn't know about forgiveness. I just want to acknowledge for the sake of some of you, sometimes the buildup is so high, it's so much that it just, you really get under the weight of it. And that's when I think sometimes we turn to wrong behavior or substance uh, support 
uh, that is such a destructive thing. And, and let's just all acknowledge together that unresolved hurt is behind so much of what has wreaked havoc in all of our lives. And so um, now I want to go into these verses and just break it down a little bit, these two verses. I note this sec uh, second thing, unforgiveness produces damaging emotion. You weren't here today if you don't leave with the clear understanding that you are destroying yourself with unforgiveness. Unforgiveness is its own whip, all right? There's nothing as bitter as being bitter. And, and every person should have as a goal, you know, by the time I'm old, I'm not gonna be that guy. You know, that turn down the music, that guy who's just upset at everyone because the life that he diagrammed in his youth just has not come off maybe the way he thought. And of course, all of us are standing over milk that's been spilt. So I'm gonna go through these words. I see one, two, three, four, five, six. Think of them like knives that penetrate your soul. Um, they're all here in, in uh, scripture. We're gonna let all of them be put away from us, but here they are one at a time. Let bitterness be put away. This word here uh, translated bitterness in Ephesians 4, uh, 31 is from the Greek word to pick, meaning to cut, and cut is what it does. Bitterness cuts our insides to ribbons. It's the fretting, irritable state of mind it's the perpetual animosity which inclines the person to a harsh opinion of others, all right? It's the sour, crabby demeanor. It's acid on the heart, a scowl on the face, venom in the words. Aristotle, anybody ever heard of Aristotle? Aristotle used this word in his uh, writing to describe the resentful spirit which refuses reconciliation, okay? It's the proficient scorekeeper, you know, somebody who's like the full-time umpire. And every day, all day, as pitches are thrown, you're like, ball, ball, strike, strike, you're out. You're out, just constantly making calls, making calls. No one's asking you what you think. No one's seeking your opinion, but you are cutting your insides to ribbons by constantly going over what I think of him, what I think of her, what I think of that, the way it should be, the way it is, why is it like that? That shows, God help us, significant um, unresolved uh, hurt. What a lemon is to your mouth, bitterness is your spirit are you bitter toward anyone about anything let all bitterness be put away here's the second one wrath let all bitterness and wrath wrath is the deeply settled indignation I want you to just think about those three words deeply settled indignation when that name comes up, when that place comes up, when that family comes up, it flows into me like a river. That deeply settled indignation. The term here in the scripture is wrath. It's the constant anger. When the heart is like a furnace, stoke it, or snuff it, every day you're making a choice. 
You're feeding that fire or you're pouring water on it every day. This is a message to motivate you to see that in all addiction, there is unresolved hurt. And because of the unresolved hurt, there is bitterness and there is wrath. And every day we make the choice to try to stop drinking, to try to stop taking drugs, to try to stop looking at porn, to try to stop behaving in such a debilitating way toward people who are trying to love you, to try to stop those bad patterns without addressing the unresolved hurt is a pipe dream. It's one of the primary reasons why people fall back. You can stop doing something for a while, but if you don't take care of the thing that is drawing you, it's not going to really matter, is it? So let all bitterness be put away from us and all wrath. And then this is a completely different word, anger. Anger is the temporary excitement, the outburst of rage, often violent. It is the phone slamming in your ear, the fist through the wall, the broken glass, the physical contact. It erupts and it dissipates. Where did that come from? Where did that come from? That came from unresolved hurt. That came from unresolved hurt. You're still angry at your mom. You're still angry at, you know, fill in the blank. Little bitterness, wrath, anger, and then this one, clamor. Man, could our world use a little less clamor, huh? Clamor is the noise of relational strife. It is the loud self-assurance of the angry person who requires everyone to hear their grievance. You know you're dealing with someone who's battling this clamor thing inside because anytime you get around them, you're going to hear an earful of X. And that's understandable for a season. You've experienced loss. You've experienced heartache. You've experienced a great need of some kind, there's a time to work through that. But if that is lingering and growing, it's unresolved hurt, isn't it? All right, just two more. Bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking. Evil speaking is the, uh, in the Greek word, or the, what the Bible was written in, the New Testament, is blasphemia. It's the depth of evil speech, not just against God, though it is against God, it's slandering, reviling words intended to injure. I read this week the minutes of a board meeting that I did not attend, and they wrote right into the minutes of the board meeting. We have to make sure that he never preaches again. Where does that kind of stuff come from? What I'm trying to say is it doesn't come from nowhere. It doesn't come from nowhere. It comes from somewhere. Can you look at your enemy and say that behind their unfortunate choices is hurt that they haven't resolved? And does that give you some compassion? Blasphemia is the cold, calculated, ready, aim, fire words. 
You're going to hear me on this. I'm going to say it, and I don't care who it hurts. Here it comes. And just, there are the words. The feeling that the only way to stop feeling the pain is to ventilate the words. That's blasphema. And lastly, let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Malice here is actually the summary term. It's the evil inclination of the mind. It's the capacity to locate wrongdoing and do it. It means literally bad-heartedness. I'm going to feel this, and I'm going to do what makes this feel better. That's malice. So those words, when you put them together, it starts with malice and it ends with bitterness. Those are the emotions which destroy the spirit. And people that used to have so much vitality and so much brightness in their eyes and so much enthusiasm for life, and now they just look kind of ticked and all the time. And that has to get addressed or we're destroying ourselves. Whether the injury was received or perceived, if it was never resolved, if it began, do I have those pictures of those sacks? So it begins like this, okay? And so I have these things that happened to me and I didn't resolve them. And so I have this little pouch and I tuck them away there and every so often I'll pull back the drawstring and dump them out on the table and yep, there they are, there they are. My sister, two Thanksgivings ago. That college professor, that boss who fired me and has never come back, was so wrong. I get it, I get it, hurt. I'm not minimizing the hurt in any way. I'm just talking about how to get forward, you know? And uh, when you go to see a doctor because you have lung cancer, because you've been smoking three packs a day for 40 years, I mean, the doctor's not gonna spend a lot of time talking to you about how it got like that. Okay? Everything's gotta be about how we're gonna get, you know, we gotta take that out. And we gotta, we gotta deal with that. And so if you don't resolve this, then you get to this. And now it's like, this is something you gotta pick up. And these are the people that are a little bit like this. And, and they're just, you see them, we see the guys that come into our house here and, and they're just weighed down, just weighed down. And look, look, no judgment. Just an acknowledgement that this is the kind of stuff people deal with and you're carrying around. And if you don't get that resolved, pretty soon you're gonna have to have that. Now this, this you can't carry that all day. So now you're doing less, you're accomplishing less because it takes a certain amount of time just to carry all this crap around. And it starts to weigh down your life. It starts to take over your life. And I'm gonna tell you, I hope you all get to know me and enjoy, I hope we get to enjoy a lot of fellowship till I'm in a box. I'll probably be in a box a long time before most of you guys. But I'm gonna tell you something. I am, and my family knows this, I am not gonna be a bitter old man, not under any circumstances. I'm not gonna be that. We just trust the Lord. And what happens, we accept from the Lord and we deal with the things that happen to us through forgiveness, because I'm telling you, if you don't deal with that much stuff built up inside you, you're gonna have that. And you're like, my life has just got so much garbage in here. And then now it starts to seem insurmountable. And the enemy starts whispering to you, it's too much. It's too, other people can forgive a few little things, but you let it build up too much. And there's just something inside you. It's like, oh, it'd just be a lot easier just to give it up. 
So then you're looking for something to help you escape, to take your mind off it, to numb the pain of the unresolved. And is that the end of it? Because, no? Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, that's just, oh, yeah. So here now, this is this guy. Now you need a freaking tow truck to tow around all the stuff you didn't deal with. And there's, you don't have no life at all now. You're like breaking your budget to pay for the gas for the truck you couldn't afford to tow around all the stuff you didn't deal with. Come on, somebody say, not good. So, um, let me just talk briefly. I have a little list here of, of the costs that we actually pay for the things that we don't deal with. Number one, um, lost intimacy with God. It just damages your relationship with God. Some of you are like, I don't have a relationship with God. Well, <laughs> I think that's the point I'm trying to make, okay? So whether you're at the entry level or at the college level or the graduate school level, wherever you're at in your faith, all right, you know, a lot of times we don't spend time with God because we're afraid he's going to tell us something we don't want to see. And I see that right here in the house with guys who don't want to come around and develop their faith at all. And, you know, there's a thousand reasons for it. But the fact of the matter is, you know, there just isn't the desire there. If God could be more prominent in your life, he would displace all of these things with joy and grace and forgiveness. So the cost, lost intimacy with God, and then obviously fallout in other relationships. So I'm mad at my sister, or I'm mad at my dad, but I just screamed at my neighbor. I don't really care about him that much either way. Well, why were you such a jerk to your neighbor? Well, I got all this stuff inside me, and I'm just more volatile, more easily wound up. I understand that. I feel like that. I feel like going back now, I can see how I just became less able to handle very much. And you just get more sensitive and you feel like people bump into you and that just hurts way more than it should because of all the things you've not been able to resolve. So we call this message the cost of unforgiveness. We're making a list now. Lost intimacy with God, fallout in other relationships. Can you think of some relationships right now where nobody really did anything wrong to you, but that relationship is struggling because of the fallout from the other things with people, other people that you didn't resolve? And then there's lost time because unforgiveness is a waiting game and unforgiving people inevitably say, I'll forgive them when they say they're sorry. And when's that coming? Probably not, probably not. I gotta just have to tell you this. My experience in life is, is that is one of the reasons why I'm doing what I'm doing is I really like, you know, authentic people who don't put on. I don't, I'm not into pretense at all. And the number of people who claimed to be some spiritual example, but just can't forgive, can't let things go. It's a lot of time is lost in our lives waiting for some things to get resolved. And of course, stunted growth. While we wait for other people to make things right, our life is on hold and our own change stops. We, we don't mature, our plans fold. If you're one of the people that always kind of makes a plan but then doesn't get done, make a plan doesn't get done, make a plan doesn't get done, eventually you gotta start looking at, well, what's keeping it from getting it done? What is the thing that is taking so much of my time and energy that I can't get things done like other people get things done? 
and as I've said already, uh, damaged emotion is the last one. So we just went through a list of all six of those and like acid on your spirit, that's gotta be one of the worst ways to go, right? You ever watch in a movie where they like splashed acid all over the guy and you're just like, oh, that's gotta be like the worst thing. If you would believe me that um, uh, unforgiveness, unresolved hurt is like damaging emotion. So uh, damaging emotion must be displaced by forgiveness. Do you understand that? So one thing in, one thing out, right? Does that make sense to you? So here is all this damaging emotion. Well, I'm just not going to let it damage me anymore. What? No, no. Something has to go into its place. I have to be thinking about something different. I have to be feeling something different. And so what has to go into its place is damaging emotion must be displaced by forgiveness. And that's why it says, let me read it. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with all malice. And here comes what replaces it. Be kind to one another. Be kind to one another. I say that to our staff around here all the time. Let's just be good to each other. Let's just be good to each other. Whatever that means, let's do that, right? Let's just, let's just be good to each other. Be kind to one another. The text says, and I have uh, written down here, wrong concepts of forgiveness. I talked about this a little bit last time. Some people say time heals all things. It just needs more time. How's that going, by the way? Time doesn't heal anything. It might, it might cause it to be put out of your mind, but if that person comes around the corner when you're walking into Macy's, it's, it's all there. So it isn't really gone. Time heals uh, nothing, really. Um, another wrong concept of forgiveness. I can't forgive if I can't forget. We talked about this last time. No, it isn't that you can't forgive if you can't forget. It's that you'll never forget until you forgive. It starts with forgiveness. That's not the final thing. That's the first thing. And then people say, well, I got to feel like I want to forgive. I, gotta, I think one of the most important insights the Lord ever gave me was that when you do the things that love does, you'll feel the things that love feels. So it isn't a feel first. It's a do first. Do the things that love does and you'll feel the things that love feels. Do the things that forgiveness does and you'll feel the things that forgiveness feels. Be kind to one another. Um, so then what is forgiveness? What is forgiveness? Here it is. Forgiveness is, as I've said, releasing another person from the obligation that resulted when they injured you. Or to put it another way, you're going to treat them as though it never happened. That's really straightforward and easy. Just treat them like it didn't happen. You say, well, how do you get to that? Well, I told you this last time. These three commitments, I won't bring it up to other people anymore. I won't bring it up to them anymore. And the hardest one is, I won't bring it up to myself anymore. Now that's just what I just said. I can go on and talk about that for an hour if you want me to, but I'm boiling it all down for you here. You're looking at a guy who's got his PhD in forgiveness. I did a lot of stupid things. And so I got a lot of people mad and I got a lot of people to forgive, okay? I don't, forgiveness isn't really interested in the blame game anymore. It just wants resolution. And I would just tell you, I have gone a long way down this hallway 
of forgiveness in order to still want to love the Lord and serve the Lord, in order to have two sons who are pastors and preaching every weekend, in order to still be married for 40 years, in order to, I mean, you're just not gonna get that far down the hallway of good life results unless you grow in this matter of forgiveness. So, but, but what do I do? What exactly do I do? All right, here it is. Number one, you repent of unforgiveness. You say, God, it's wrong for me. I've been unforgiving towards Sally. I've been unforgiving towards Steve at work. God, I have, it's unforgiveness and it's wrong and it's sin and I'm sorry. You make it right with God. You say, God, it's wrong. You just pray. Just pray a little prayer. I know you're growing in your faith. It's no problem. Just start where you are. Pray a little prayer. Say, God, I want help with forgiveness. I know that it's wrong. I know that it tears me up inside. I'm forgiving Bill. That's it. I'm going to let it go. You, you don't owe me, Bill. You don't, have to, don't go tell him that because he'll say, I never did owe you. Okay, don't do that. That's casting your pearls before swine. Don't do that. Just have it in your heart. If he ever changes his heart, you can be ready with your forgiveness. But just between you and God, go to God and say, God, I can't spend the rest of my life standing in the shower looking at freaking Bill. All right, I got to get this out of my head. So you make a commitment yourself. You say to God, this is wrong and I need your help to forgive. That's number one. Then you, you name the person. And you say in prayer to the Lord, God, I forgive Bill. I don't know why I've been using the word Bill in my sermons for 30 some years. Poor Bill, whoever he is. But you say, I forgive Bill. I forgive him. I forgive Bill. I forgive him. Wow. God, I forgive Bill for the things that he did to me. God, it was wrong for me not to forgive him. You've forgiven me of so much. I'm forgiving Bill. God, I forgive Bill for the things that he did to me. Now look up here for a second. I am not in any way oblivious to the kind of hurt that I could be talking about. I'm not just talking about silly little things that don't matter. I'm talking about the worst possible things. It doesn't matter how big or small the hurt is the same door gets you out of that room and it's forgiveness. So you repent of unforgiveness, you name the person and you say it out loud, I, God, I forgive so-and-so for, and then you have a piece of paper and you write down the things. Write them all down and you're gonna eventually burn this piece of paper. Write it all down on a piece of paper. God, I forgive Bill for this. I forgive him for saying this. I forgive him for doing this. I forgive him for doing this to me. I forgive and you write them all down. And then, this is the hardest part, you name the pain. You say, God, that made me feel so, you know, so ashamed. That made me feel so dirty. That made me feel so worthless. That made me feel so, and you name the pain. You say it. God, I've been feeling this because I haven't forgiven Bill for this. And it's made me feel like this. And then you just say it again. You name the person, you name the plane, the pain, and then you start to work the plan and the plan I already gave you. Once you go through that prayer time, get up off your feet and work on this. I'm not bringing it up to them anymore. I'm not gonna bring it up to them anymore. I'm not gonna bring it up to other people anymore. I'm gonna be over at my mom's talking about my brother. Mom, you know, no, 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 I'm not rallying support to my position because I've forgiven. 
And so you let it go and you, that's the plan. I'm not gonna bring it up to them or to others or to myself. And here's the last sentence, I said it last week. When you fail in the process of not bringing it up, you found yourself thinking it over for 40 minutes, you found yourself talking to someone else about it. God forbid you saw this person, you said something to them about it. Now you failed in forgiveness. When you fail in the process, you gotta go back to the crisis. And there you are again on your knees. God, I said I was gonna forgive, but I didn't. You see that I didn't. I'm sorry for that. I broke my commitment. Please forgive me. And you start again. And by the, you'll have to do that a lot of times. You're gonna start, you're gonna start, you're gonna start, you're gonna start. And when you fail in the process, you gotta have another crisis of I'm not gonna live like that. And I've had a few of those. And uh, so let me just say in closing, um, there are some fruits or some evidences of forgiveness. You know what I mean by fruits? Like um, an orange tree has oranges, a, an apple tree has harmony, think, think, too late. An apple tree has oranges. Oranges, yeah, thanks a lot. <laughs> Stick up for your grandkids, we don't need that. So here it is, here it is, it says, let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another. Kindness is a fruit of forgiveness. You know that you're making progress in forgiveness when you can show kindness to the person that you needed to forgive. When the idea of showing kindness to the person is like, are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? That is, yeah, you got some ways to go there. It's all right, but you got a ways to go. You're not, you're not there yet. And, but when you can show kindness to them, that's a fruit of forgiveness. I mean, I mean, and you can let them show kindness to you. I mean, there's just absolutely nothing worse than having a person who hurt you and they're seemingly oblivious to what they did and then they come up to you and like, hey, how's it going? You're like Rrr! inside because when you've forgiven, you have no problem showing the person kindness and you have no problem when they show kindness to you. So kindness is a fruit of forgiveness. And then this tenderheartedness is a fruit of forgiveness. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted. That word's only used two times in the New Testament. It means readiness to feel the pain of another. Defenses are down. I'm vulnerable again. A fruit of forgiveness is I'm okay if being in relationship with them causes me some pain. Now, that doesn't mean you go back to the old. It doesn't mean you have to let someone, you know, do something unthinkable again, not at all. And here's the final thing. Christ is our model and our motivation for forgiveness. That's why it says at the very end, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Just as God in Christ has forgiven you. Forgive like that. And how has Christ forgiven you? Is he still keeping a record of wrongs? No. Has he got a list of things that he's like, well, I'll forgive you for those things, but I'm not going to forgive you for those. Is Christ like that? No. And if we have in the Lord total forgiveness, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you, same way. Forgive everyone all the time for everything. Okay? Forgive everyone all the time for everything. And that's some very solid biblical advice from a heart of love for you, okay? So Father, we thank you for this time of studying your word. I thank you for these attentive hearts. 
And I pray that you would not let the enemy snatch away the seed that was sown in these hearts, but I pray instead, God, that you would pursue us until we release people from what they did and let it go and forgive. Thank you that that proves that we are your sons and your daughters. Thank you that that proves that Jesus is real because he gives the grace to do. People in the world aren't doing this, but with your help we can. And so we pray for the strength to do the right thing, to get free from the hurt that drives addiction through forgiveness and for your help in all these matters. We pray and ask in Jesus' name, amen. So I hope that you've been really encouraged today through this clear teaching from God's word. I just want to thank you from the whole team for listening to the James McDonald podcast, where the learning is for loving, loving God and for loving others more and more until we see him face to face. Thank you for standing with us. Your prayerful support is our lifeline to continue this gospel partnership, and it makes podcasts like these possible. If you're not part of a vibrant, life-giving gospel church, check out this new alternative. It's called the Home Church Network. You can get it at homechurchnetwork.global. All the ministry information, Bible teaching, and and resources are there, and also at jamesmcdonaldministries.org. Hey, thank you again for listening.